From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Washington Watch. Coming up in less than a week in office, President Biden has issued nearly two dozen executive orders. He is on track to far surpass Donald Trump, but it appears the media is responding to Biden's executive pen differently than Donald Trump's. We'll talk about it. Also, Chinese President Xi Jinping warned the Biden administration yesterday to end America's trade war, warning of a new Cold War as our relationship with China become more dangerous with Joe Biden in the White House. We'll talk about it with Michigan Congresswoman Lisa McLean, a member of the House Armed Services Committee in just a moment. Also, as we uh, discussed yesterday, one of the 20-something executive orders is to politicize the military by forcing transgenderism on the U.S. armed services, like the Obama administration did previously. Um, This is just what they're doing to our public schools as well. Ohio Congressman Warren Davidson, an Army Ranger veteran, says, quote, the military is not the venue for progressives to battle over gender politics. Congressman Davidson joins us later. And our own Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin, a founding member of Army's Delta Force and former commander of the uh, Special Forces, is going to be in here to speak on the reviving of the Obama policy on transgenderism in the military and its impact on national security. And also, is America on the verge of its own great purge? What do the words and actions of those on the left suggest? We'll talk about it uh, with Caroline Glick, columnist at Newsweek and Hayom, Israel's widest circulation paper. The website, TonyPerkins.com. And uh, by the way, mark your calendars for uh, an event coming up on February the 10th. Wednesday, February the 10th, we'll host a special Pray, Vote, Stand Town Hall broadcast to discuss the way forward. The event, which will be hosted at Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia, will begin at 7.30 Eastern Time. It'll be broadcast at uh, PrayVoteStand.org. I'll be joined by Pastor Gary Hamrick and Mike Ferris, CEO and General Counsel of Alliance Defending Freedom. To make sure you don't miss the event, do this. Text the word STAND to 67742. That's the word STAND to 67742, and you will get information about the Pray, Vote, Stand town hall meeting coming up on February the 10th. All right, as I mentioned, in less than a week in office, President Biden has issued nearly two dozen executive orders. Uh, He is on uh, track to surpass uh, Donald Trump. We're actually not sure exactly how many uh, executive orders he's issued because they're coming out so quickly, it's hard to keep track of them. We're going to talk about that as well as yesterday in a virtual message to the World Economic Summit, Chinese President Xi Jinping Uh, sent a thinly veiled message to the Biden administration to drop the Mr. Tough Guy approach that defined the Trump administration or potentially risk a new Cold War. Joining me now is Congresswoman Lisa McLean, who serves as the uh, congresswoman for the 10th Congressional District of Michigan. She serves as a member of the House Armed Services Committee and is also on the Education and Labor Committee. Congresswoman, welcome to the program. Well, thank you very much, Tony, for having me. I appreciate it. I I, want to get into the issue of China, but before I get your take on um, where we stand with China and the threat that that poses, I want to ask you about these roughly two dozen executive orders that 
President Biden has issued and in the plan, according to them, to, to his people, is to soon be at 53. Unbelievable and uh, very, very scary. We live in America and we have three branches of government for a reason. President Biden needs to work with Congress if he really and truly means what he says about uniting the country and healing and working together, stop with the executive orders and let's use the process and the systems of government that we've had in place for over 200 years. Um, It's just not the way to govern, and it's definitely not the way to lead and definitely not the way to unite the country. Well, and and you are not alone in that opinion, Congresswoman, Um, although I'll have to go back about four years and the media has said something very similar. Uh, Let me uh, pull a couple of uh, quotes, one from the AP. Uh, This was back when Donald Trump wrapped up his hundred days, quote, President Donald Trump will mark the end of his first hundred days in office with a flurry of executive orders looking to fulfill campaign promises and rack up victories quickly by turning to a presidential tool he once derided. How many did he sign during that 100 days? 32. Of Well, when you, I mean, that's a, Joe Biden's only been there a tenth of that time, and he's already got two dozen. But I, to your point, this is what the AP said. Quote, presidents frequently turn to executive orders when they struggle to advance their agendas through Congresses controlled by the opposition party. In Trump's case, he is struggling, even though both houses of Congress are in the hands of Republicans. Um, Doesn't that shoe fit Joe Biden? Well, I I often say this, and 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 no disrespect um, to you, Tony, but if the media and we didn't have double standards, we wouldn't have any standards at all. I mean, to your point, we're we're very short period in and we've he's already signed 20 executive orders on his way to 53 and if again if biden wants to work across the aisle and truly heal heal, heal our nation like he claims to um he's got to stop with the executive orders um and and to your point it should be easier you you have the majority in the house and you have the majority in the senate so um or at least 50-50, if you, you know, you, you, you count uh, right. Kamala. Well, they've, why do they've we got need the, the executive they've got the majority. Order? Well, no, you're why, right. Why, and, do, why the need for them? And, and to your point, Lisa, let me, uh, let me quote from another uh, media source, the Dallas Morning News. This is an editorial back on October 20th of 2017, uh, where they said, Trump's use of executive orders with his own party controlling Congress reveals his lack of presidential skill. <laughs> Uh, And then they go on to say the cry of hypocrisy is a well-worn political tool. But the reality is that Obama and Bush signed fewer executive orders in two terms each than President Bill Clinton and Ronald Reagan did in theirs. Um, Where is the media uh, in terms of all of these executive orders that are flying out so fast the ink isn't even dry? I would love an answer to that question. And the media isn't in the news reporting business, I believe. The media is in the entertainment business. Uh, the newspapers and, and, the, and the TVs is whatever happened to just reporting the facts. We have lost our way on just the facts. 
Um, everyone used to read the paper and you had the majority of the paper were facts and that had a little opinion se- uh, section. Right. But right. with all due respect, um, people working together and people moving forward and, and again, sharing the same standards, um, that's not really uh, flashy. That doesn't really sell. So, you know, don't let the don't let the facts get in the way of a good story, as I always say. Uh, you are absolutely right. Media has become entertainment. Um, I, I, years ago, was actually a reporter before I got into politics, and that was a day when people basically kept their own opinions uh, separate from their reporting, and they, you know, it still came through, but it was right. not as blatant as it is uh, today. And speaking of facts, it, I found it interesting that the Washington Post, you know, dropping its fact-checking uh, effort. You know, they fact-checked everything Donald Trump said, but they say Joe Biden doesn't need it. Um, right. He doesn't need to be fact-checked. So clearly, to your point, double standard. Uh, and mm-hmm. I like that. If there if there weren't a double standard, there would be no standard at all for the media today. And so that's that's. I, I just want people to know that that double standard exists. It is um, the, the media just very conveniently forgets the headlines that they wrote four years ago when it comes to a host of issues, but I wanted to point that out. Uh, I want to move on to an issue that I know you are passionate about, but one that I think may get lost in a lot of the headlines, and that is China sending a a message yesterday to uh, the Biden administration, hey, drop the Mr. Tough guy or else you could be facing uh, a new Cold War. Are we in a more precarious situation with China under a Biden administration than we were in the last four years? Yeah. And I say this because I believe it's very interesting that China would say that right now. I mean, Biden's been in office for for how many days? And they're already starting with the threats. Uh, that's very, very concerning, and America should be very concerned about that, is we cannot negotiate. We are America. We, you don't threaten us. And I think that's the leadership that came through that, that we need to continue to have is leadership. And we're not intimidated by threats. We can't be intimidated by threats because if we cave into the threats, it, they won't stop coming. We will just continue to get more and more threats. We need to stand up as Americans and as the president of the United States, continue to keep America first and fight for us and our country. And and the way to do that is not by threatening the relationship and not by threatening us. Uh, well, D- Donald Trump, had what I thought was a, a pretty straightforward policy, America first. Um, and it that does not appear. It did work. It absolutely did work. You look at um, it, anywhere from energy, uh, where we became uh, not only energy independent, but in a four-year period, we became a, an exporter of, of oil. Um, and now with the cancellation of the uh, 
the, the Keystone Pipeline. We have a freeze uh, and, and uh, a moratorium on drilling. I mean, we're going to become energy dependent again, which is a national security issue, which China is vying around the world to get oil. I wouldn't be surprised uh, if they're, you know, somehow drilling just offshore of the United States to get some of this oil. Well, well. Let, let me say that in my belief, and this is why I'm very excited of being on the committee that I'm on, is China is one of the top foreign threats, I believe, facing this country. Is With the canceling of the Keystone Pipeline, think about this, and, rejo- and joining the Paris Climate Accord, um, President Biden has already killed thousands of good-paying private um, middle sector, uh, middle-class union jobs. What is next? And the, and the issue with China is with the Paris Accord, we're not playing on the same – we're not playing by the same rules. You know, President Biden want, wants us to enter into this China Accord right now where China can enter it in and enter into it in a couple years. Listen, mm-hmm. we have to have a fair and level playing field or we're going to continue to lose more jobs and more jobs to China. I mean, think, think of it is is um, the foreign investment that used to come into America is down 50% because we've been closed. China's foreign yeah. investment is up. That should be very, very concerning to us. We've got it, to reopen. We've got to open all aspects of our economy immediately. And, and, that's, and that is something that crosses the political uh, divide with Americans. They want to see more manufacturing here in the United States. They want to see the creation of more jobs. Congresswoman Lisa McLean, thanks so much for uh, joining us today. Out of time. Talk to you soon. Thank you. Have a nice day. All right. Uh, Coming up next, my next guest says President Biden is quickly showing his progressive stripes with his executive action forcing transgenderism on the U.S. military. Former, Former Army Ranger and now Congressman Warren Davidson is here next after the break. Don't go away. Hey, Matt. Hey, Hannah. What's going on? Why so gloomy? Well, I'm a little disappointed. I had a lot planned to do during the stay-at-home time, and I just didn't do it. Oh, yeah? What did you have planned that you didn't get to do? Well, I was actually hoping I would finally be able to get time to do a regular Bible reading routine, and I started a couple of times. I just didn't stick with it. Don't be too down on yourself. Starting a new routine can be hard, but one way to help is to join in with others and to have a good game plan. I think I have a good solution for you. Oh, yeah? Tony Perkins and FRC are doing a two-year study in the Word. They have it all mapped out. When did they start? I I would be so far behind. Oh, that's not a problem. You can literally jump in any time. There's a daily reading just a couple of chapters a day with questions to help you think about what you're reading. Nice. Where can I find this? Go to frc.org slash Bible, and you can get started. Where's that again? frc.org slash Bible. Got it. Checking it out now. In a recent poll, it was revealed that only 6% of Americans hold a biblical worldview. This research also indicated that Christianity's teachings on abortion, marriage, and homosexuality are not only misunderstood, but seen as dangerous and subversive. In response to this trend, Family Research Council has released a new set of resources in our Biblical Worldview series. In addition to our full publications, which cover the topics of Christian political engagement, abortion, religious liberty, and human sexuality, 
FRC now offers helpful summaries of each publication in this series, as well as accompanying prayer guides to help you and your family pray through these important issues. And finally, our popular biblical principles for political engagement is now available in Spanish. All these resources are free and available at frc.org worldview. Again, that's frc.org worldview. Masculinity in America has never been under attack the way it is today. We've reached the point where the term itself is considered toxic or offensive to many. The consistent message in our nation is that masculinity by nature is bad and is the root cause of many of the problems plaguing our society. From his experience as a military combat officer and ordained minister of the gospel, Lieutenant General William Boykin has seen and dealt with firsthand the breakdown of leadership in our nation by the lack of godly men living lives of biblical purpose. In his latest book, Man to Man, Rediscovering Masculinity in a Challenging World, he addresses the essential elements of manhood as a provider, an instructor, a defender, a battle buddy, and a chaplain and explains how to personally develop these traits and pass them to the next generation. Get your copy today of Man to Man, wherever books are sold. This is Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins. The website, TonyPerkins.com. Make sure you check it out. Lots of resources there for you. If you miss any of today's program or if you missed any programs over the last week or so, you can go back and uh, they're all archived at TonyPerkins.com. All right, as we mentioned, uh, President Biden, um, I don't know, I hope he has some, uh, well, I don't know, hope he has. He's going to need refills, ink refills for his pen. Uh, he is signing so many of these executive orders. Well, yesterday, uh, President Joe Biden signed an order that would allow transgenderism to infiltrate our nation's military. Uh, here's a clip of what he had to say about it yesterday. And what I'm doing is enabling all qualified Americans to serve the country in uniform and uh, essentially uh, uh, re- 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 restoring the situations existed before with chan- transgender personnel, if qualified in every other way, can serve their government in the United States military. In other words, he is turning our nation's military into a petri dish in his laboratory of radical social experimentation. Joining me now to uh, talk about it, someone who understands what is at stake for the men and women who actually serve in uniform in our nation's military as well as for our nation's security. Congressman Warren Davidson, he's a former U.S. Army Ranger. He serves as the 8th Congressional uh, District Representative of Ohio, and he is a member of the Army Caucus. Uh, Congressman Warren Davidson, welcome back to the program. Always great to talk to you, Tony. How are you? I'm doing quite well, thank you. Uh, You tweeted out, uh, the military is not the venue for progressives to battle over gender politics. Um, Bad move? On Joe Biden's part? Yeah, absolutely. And look, it's not what I feel bad for people suffering from gender dysphoria, whether it's them personally or members of their family. It's very, uh, very hard thing for people to deal with. Uh, and it's it's incredibly, uh, you know, disruptive for someone's life to deal with. And I just don't think active duty military is the right place to do it. Uh, people need to be focused on that. And frankly, taxpayers don't need to fund uh, that process either. Uh, 
And I think, look, the military exists to be laser focused on fighting and winning our nation's wars. And uh, and so this is a this is a path to put a progressive priority in first place. I mean, look at look at his agenda on transgenderism, not just here, but with respect to women's and girls sports uh, on Title IX, which is meant to advance and protect women's and girls sport. So it's a complete disruption. People say, is this really the big priority that you're working on, David? Tennant? No, this is President Biden's priority. This is his agenda. This is what he said out of tw- as first 20 executive orders, which is a pretty brisk pace, two of them uh, deal with this topic. So I I think it's the wrong focus for our military. It's certainly the wrong thing for women and girls in sports and definitely the wrong venue to try to force the debate. You know, what I find interesting, Congressman, is that, you know, the Democrats, they're always talking about how they're the the party of science and and evidence. And the, the reality is the president, in making this announcement yesterday, stepped over an actual 2018 DOD report that was based upon actual data from those that have transgenderism that are serving in the military and made reference to a 2016 RAND study that uh, was speculative, had, based on no evidence. The, the 2018 report, which Donald Trump asked for, uh, it was given to him by the DOD, suggested that this was not a good policy for the military. Where's the evidence-based decisions that uh, the president and his party said they're going to make? Yeah, I mean, it's, they're pretty selective on which science they trust. Uh, we saw that with another priority this week uh, on, on abortion. You know, the science there, it's clearly a separate living human being. Uh, they're just discarding that science and focusing on, on uh, I guess, what they, they might say alternative facts, right? So the, the fact is that it's a, it's a separate human being uh, with respect to life. And, you know, the facts are that the research showed this same thing I'm talking about. In terms of readiness, the amount of um, uh, physical and mental health that needs to take place for someone on active duty uh, is, is enduring. Uh, it, it leads to a lot of other readiness issues. And when you think about the rate of suicide of, of um, not just uh, veterans, but active duty service members, uh, and, and you overlay that with people dealing with gender dysphoria, it's really troubling. So I think you should really focus on getting these people the care they need. They should get it uh, outside of the DOD active duty situation. And, uh, and ideally, it should be something that you take into account uh, for readiness. I mean, you take people for, for um, enlisting in the military or signing up to be part of the officer corps. I mean, there are all sorts of uh, things that people have to go through to qualify to serve. And, and look, why? Because you want them to be healthy and combat ready, not dealing with these other issues. And the percentage of folks that are dealing with readiness issues while they're dealing with gender dysphoria is off the charts. That's the cliff notes of the 2018 study. And that's just, uh, you know, the the reality of their selective use of science here. You mentioned also how this agenda is being pushed in our public schools. Are are you concerned about the the long-term effects of the exposure of young people? I mean, we're talking down into elementary school being exposed to to this. I mean, what are the long-term consequences of this? Yeah, I mean, historically, it's a tiny fraction of the population that deals with gender dysphoria and associated, uh, you know, uh, mental health uh, issues and and some physiological challenges, you know, in rare chromosome disorders. This is a really small percentage of the population, but suddenly 
uh, it, it's a, a growing phenomenon, and certainly the, the awareness is growing. And so there's a Brown PhD, Brown professor. She did some research, and she was just curious. Well, what's going on? She's you know not a Christian, not a conservative. She's a professor. It was a professor at Brown, and she she just highlighted the fact that isn't it interesting that in a peer group, once somebody identifies as transgender, then there are multiple people often in that peer group. And she labeled the term sudden onset gender dysphoria. She lost her job. She lost any publication rights in medical journals, uh, no longer booked at conferences. And similar people doing that research are, are similarly being silenced by academia. Yeah, that's that evidence they don't want to hear about, uh, the science right. that they want to ignore. Uh, Congressman Davidson, thanks so much for taking time out to join us today. As always, great to talk with you. Likewise. Thanks, Tony. All right. It's a very important point he brought up, and there's we've had people on the program talking about that. This this is a part, I think, the main reason they're pushing this in the schools, to create this subculture, this peer pressure that will cause more people to have gender dysphoria. All right, we're going to continue this conversation with General Boykin next. Don't go away. The general is in the house. The history of religious persecution in China is extensive, and many are not aware of the current oppression of religious groups taking place there. China restricts religious practice and oppresses religious minorities on a sweeping scale. This religious persecution targets those of every faith. Christians, Muslims, Tibetan Buddhists, and Falun Gong practitioners are all victims of the Chinese Communist Party's efforts to suppress any set beliefs that might compete with the party's ideology. This campaign against religion has had and continues to have devastating consequences for those who simply wish to live according to their conscience. Family Research Council's recently updated publication addresses China's consistent abuses of human rights and explains why they cannot be treated like any other country. Learn more about this issue by visiting frc.org slash China. Oh, man. What's wrong? I just missed Washington Watch with Tony Perkins, and our congressman was going to be on the show today. Oh, that's not a big deal. What do you mean? Well, you can always catch the replay of the day's show. How's that? With the Stand Firm app. Yeah? Yep, you can catch that day's program and so much more. You can contact your elected officials on campaigns and policies that are important to you with the Take Action tab. You can listen to Washington Watch with Tony Perkins live and play previous episodes while conveniently going about your day. You can access the Washington Update, informative blogs, tweets, and critical campaigns on the main feed so you can stay up to date on local and national news. Wow, I definitely use that. How do you find the app? Just visit frc.org slash app and download or search Stand Firm in the App Store. Okay, that's Stand Firm. Yep, Stand Firm. How do you know all this? Because I'm a SageCon, but that's another story. Huh? Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. The website, TonyPerkins.com. Uh, joining me in studio as we uh, continue the discussion about one of uh, President Joe Biden's executive orders, 
imposing transgenderism on a nation's military. Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin, former member of the United States uh, Army, 36 and a half years, was a founding member of the Delta Force and also oversaw all their uh, special forces uh, there in the United States Army. General, um, Joe Biden in, in signing this executive order, and this is something we know a little bit about because we were very much involved with the executive order from Donald Trump. His executive order was actually based upon an actual review that was conducted by the Department of, of Defense that supported the decision to halt the 11th hour decision by Obama or actions by Obama uh, releasing this transgenderism in our nation's military. Joe Biden stepped over that actual review of the Department of Defense and made reference to a 2016 study by the Rand Corporation, which was speculative in nature, but obviously coming from a, a very positive standpoint in terms of the LGBTQ agenda. Yeah. In July of 2017 is when uh, President Trump announced that he was going to uh, uh, put this ban on uh, transgender serving in the military. That is, anyone coming into the military after he made the announcement. Uh, but it was not until March of 18 when they finally uh, issued the uh, implementing instructions for this, and that's because of this study that you just talked about which made very clear that they, uh, the, the military and the leadership believed that it was uh, not in the best interest of the military to do this. And, you know, Tony, you and I have talked about this before, but the, the military only has one mission, and that's to fight and win wars. And when, uh, when you make a decision regarding policy or equipment or anything else about our military, you need to make that decision with readiness in mind. What? To, how does that enhance our ability to win the nation's wars? This is not about social experiments, although that's exactly what we've seen in the Obama administration as well as now the Biden administration. The DOD report that was conducted reported this, uh, quote, the medical costs for service members with gender dysphoria have increased, and that was the ones that were already in there that were grandfathered in, had increased nearly three times or 300% compared to service members without gender dysphoria. They also are eight times more likely to attempt suicide. Mm -hmm. now, now, think about that for a moment. And we just had Congressman Warren Davidson made reference to this, where we already have an epidemic of suicide among members of the military. They're eight times more likely to mm -hmm. attempt suicide, nine times more likely to have mental health encounters. That's the reality. That's based upon the evidence. Joe Biden makes his decision based upon eliminating discrimination. The military discriminates against a whole host of people who want to come into the military. Well, that's exactly right. And, you know, for as long as we've had a military, there are certain people that just could not meet the standards. They couldn't meet the qualifications. And what's so, I think what's so... Uh, contradictory about this is uh, they, both the Secretary of Defense and the President said, well, if you can meet the qualifications, well, wait a minute, you just changed the qualifications. That's a, f a foolish statement because what you're saying is, well, if you can't meet those qualifications, I'll change it so you can meet it. Then and, that's meet exactly, and that's exactly what we have going now. I'll, I'll just say this, Tony. 
and uh, a lot of people may even laugh at me about this, but, uh, you know, the military does not do elective cosmetic surgery for military dependents, like wives that are, are responsible, you know, for since 2011 have, have really raised the families in our military. So if you want to, if you want to throw somebody a, a, a little bonus or something, how about taking care of the, the family members that uh, uh, would like to have elective surgery of that type? And, and instead, we're taking money and, and, and giving it to uh, people that come into the Army not being able to meet the standards that were established a long time ago. Yeah, this is not right. Bottom line, how does this impact our national security? That's right. And it does not enhance our national security at all. And in my view, it degrades our national security because I think it has a, a, a bad effect on the morale and the cohesion of any military unit. And I know a lot of people will argue against that. But that's my experience. This is a... Um this is whittling away at the esprit de corps. Mm-hmm. It is a whittling away of the effectiveness of our nation's military. And I, and I often hear this, well, you know, uh, our a military didn't implode. Well, this isn't going to happen overnight, but this is a slow, steady march mm-hmm. to where I'll have to point to history where the, the Roman Empire, it was a slow, steady march to a internal weakness that left them vulnerable. That's right. Just keep in mind, one mission, win the nation's wars. If it doesn't enhance that, you don't do it. Yeah. Donald Trump understood that. He did. And I tell you, he had more courage. And that's why the left hates him. I know. He had the courage to do what was right. Wasn't perfect, but he had courage. Most politicians don't have that courage. Right. General Boykin, thanks so much for you, uh, for joining us, and thank you for your service to our nation. Thank you. All right, coming up next, is America on the verge of its own great purge? We're going to talk about that with Caroline Glick next here on Washington Watch. Don't go away. Get a trusted perspective on the news of the day every day. Listen to Washington Watch with Tony Perkins to get honest and in-depth commentary on what's going on in our nation's capital and around the world. Join Family Research Council President Tony Perkins live every weekday on over 800 radio stations across the country. Or listen to the show when it works for you by visiting TonyPerkins.com. On the show, you'll hear from guests like Ben Carson, Senator Josh Hawley, Representative Vicki Hartzler, Molly Hemingway, Pastor Jack Hibbs, Dana Lash, Sissy Graham Lynch, Pastor John MacArthur, Eric Metaxas, Albert Moeller, and more. Tony is joined by leading political figures, pastors, and policy and culture experts who will inspire you to be engaged and informed on the important issues facing America. For a Christian perspective on the news of the day, tune in to Washington Watch with Tony Perkins at TonyPerkins.com. Ever since the Supreme Court handed down its infamous Roe v. Wade decision in 1973 that legalized abortion nationwide, a national debate has raged over whether the government should fund abortion. In 1976, Congress banned taxpayer funding of abortion and Medicaid by passing the Hyde Amendment. Several states have followed suit, passing their own restrictions on abortion funding. However, 
because government funding is a complex system of joint federal and state programs, completely banning taxpayer funding for abortions and abortion businesses like Planned Parenthood is challenging. There is still much work to be done to free the American taxpayer from funding the horrific practice of abortion. Family Research Council's new publication clearly explains the Hyde Amendment and why we need to keep it in order to save taxpayers from being forced to fund abortion. Access this important information by visiting frc.org slash Hyde. What's on your daily or weekly reading list? Are you looking for honest and informative commentary from fellow believers on the current issues facing our culture? Family Research Council has just the thing. Check out FRC's blog at frcblog.com. The content on our blog is written by our policy experts as well as outside contributors. On our blog, you can read about a wide variety of topics, including religious liberty, life, marriage, family, sexuality, public policy, and the culture. Read up on some of our latest titles like Four Disturbing Trends in Religious Freedom Worldwide, Legitimizing Looting Jeopardizes Liberty for All, The Media Still Doesn't Get It, Conservatives Tend to Vote Conservative, and more. At Family Research Council, our mission is to advance faith, family, and freedom in the culture by helping you live out your faith and to stand for truth. Our blog is here to help you do that. Stay informed and get the resources you need at frcblog.com. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. The website, TonyPerkins.com. To stay connected with us, to find out the latest information, text the word STAND to 67742. Stay connected with us. Text, text the word STAND to 67742. As I mentioned, coming up on uh, Wednesday, February the 10th, we're going to have a nationwide town hall broadcast discussing the way forward. We'll be uh, bringing that to you from Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. To find out more, text the word STAND to 67742. Is America on the verge of its own great purge? What do the words and the actions of the left suggest? I think we ought to be listening to what they're actually saying and watching what they're actually doing and believing what we hear. Caroline Glick columnist at Newsweek and Israel's High Ohm, uh, Israel's widest circulation paper, uh, has written, I think, a very insightful article that actually tracks with what the left is saying on this issue, and she joins us now. Caroline, welcome back to Washington Watch. Thanks, Tony. It's always great being on your program. All right, you have said we are looking at the Great Purge, an event without precedent in American history. Explain. Well, I think that we've really seen very clearly um, since uh, Biden uh, took office, President Biden took office, that there's a real push to purge um, Trump supporters, not just the president who's about to be uh, facing a Senate trial for an impeachment. Um, but actually his followers as well uh, from public life in the United States by um, cancel culture, by saying that people who uh, serve for the president shouldn't be allowed to find, find jobs. There's blacklists that are being put out of people who supported, who worked with the president, his advisors, uh, by organizations like the Lincoln Project, which is a project uh, 
a former Republican that was formed to demonize uh, Republicans uh, over the past uh, uh, election cycle in order to elect uh, Democrats to power, and other groups as well. And we also see it with uh, the, the um, very bizarre uh, response uh, to the Capitol Hill uh, event on January 6th, because, of course, the vast majority of the hundreds of thousands of people who came to the Capitol uh, city of Washington, D.C., that that day were completely nonviolent. And yet we see this effort to criminalize everybody who was in Washington that day to boycott and harm businesses that served them, that uh, accepted their money in payment, places like hotels, a VRBO, the uh, uh, the, the website that uh, rents out uh, homes and uh, vacation homes mainly uh, that worked with uh, supporters of Trump on January 6th in the in the um, in the Capitol. You see banks that are refusing service to the president, the former president Donald Trump, uh, from Deutsche Bank and others. And um, you also see uh, former uh, military commanders, intelligence commanders, uh, leaders. United States and legislators who are calling for uh, treating and, and taking legislative steps towards treating Trump supporters as domestic terrorists. So all of these things are unprecedented in American history and much worse than we saw in the 1950s under the uh, McCarthy uh, House on American Activities Committee and, and the blacklist of uh, communists and, and communist sympathizers in the United States. We've never seen anything like this in the United States before. Yes, and we, as we talk about this, uh, still on the streets of D.C. here, we have uh, National Guard troops uh, going to remain here through March. And, you know, this uh, back this past summer when, you know, I had to walk through riot lines to get to uh, to our office here. They uh, the the, the officials, uh, Democratic officials here in D.C. did not want the presence of the National Guard uh, as uh, other cities across America led by Democratic mayors uh, burned. Um, There was this. No, uh, that's just peaceful protest, uh, you know. Uh, clearly a double standard, because I also want to zero in on something else that highlights this double standard, this hypocrisy uh, of Democrats, of liberals, is that while members like Josh Hawley, who's, by the way, is going to be on the program tomorrow, Ted Cruz, uh, who questioned, legitimately questioned, a an election filled with irregularities, and they simply were challenging specific states that did not follow their laws, and now they're being called upon to resign. Corporate America combining with liberal politicians, the left, to deny funds, call for them to step down, when Democrats did the same thing in previous elections, 2016, 2005. They've done the very thing that Republicans did this time, but there was no call for them to resign. Right. It it, it isn't just that. I mean, I think that the real concern here is that there seems to be a fusion between uh, a lot of the major corporations in the United States, including uh, the tech tech giants and the Democratic Party. And that's really something, again, that we haven't seen before. It's not exactly capitalism and free market capitalism like we've known it when you have 
a fusion of operations and, and interests and positions uh, being put forward by corporate giants and a political party in the United States. And that particular political party also controls all elected arms of the federal government. Um, this is something that um, it, it does look a lot more like uh, classical fascism in Italy uh, in the 1930s than, than it does like what we what we're used to in the United States, and you and you take that together with the fact that small businesses in the United States have taken such a mortal blow over right. the past year with the COVID lockdowns, while you know people like by Jeff Democratic Bezos by have, Democratic governors and mayors, by the way, right authoritarian and, and authoritarian action by these Democratic leaders. Sorry, but I wanted to put that in there. No, I think it's important, and, 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 and when you look at the amounts of money that people like Jeff Bezos have made, I mean, I think that he made close to $100 billion over the past 10 months of uh, the coronavirus, while all of the local retail shops are shuttering uh, and, uh, and going bankrupt because of the lockdown. So, I mean, this is, this is a breakdown of the capitalist system in the United States, and what's replacing it is is something, again, that we haven't seen before, because you had presidents at the turn of the 20th century that worked very hard with antitrust uh, legislation to block uh, the kinds of uh, trust, the kind of cartels uh, and cartelization of the U.S. economy, um, which in and of itself was to a much smaller degree um, back uh, 120 years ago than it is today. Caroline, I I want to... uh point to an article uh, or read from, quote from an article uh, in Salon, a liberal rag, mm-hmm. um, but it, 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 it speaks to your point. Um, this cancel culture, this, I mean, this is not, uh, you know, let's, okay, let's just, uh, let's make up and, and you know, we're, we're all going to be good Americans. That's not what the left wants. I, I'm going to read to you from this uh, this piece in Salon, quote, but Biden's humanity, this is referring to his inaugural address, uh, but Biden's humanity and fundamental decency and generosity of spirit could also prove to be his great weakness. The central theme of the president's inaugural address was unity. He wants to reunite the tens of millions of Trump political cult members with the rest of normal Mm -hmm. society. To accomplish this goal, Biden is asking good Americans, those who believe in democracy, to reach out to Trump's followers and other Republicans, a group of people who have repeatedly shown that they reject multiracial democracy and embrace authoritarianism and fascism, end quote. Mm-hmm. Boy, again, the left loves to project their own values and ideals onto the right. You know, I mean, the thing that's so distressing about things like this is that, how, is that they're coming very, very frequently. I mean, you have calls in the media in the United States, uh, in places like CNN, to shut down other media organizations like Fox News that are conservative. We've never had something like this before, calls for mass censorship by media organizations. We've never seen anything like this before in, in U.S. history. And, yes, you know, this incredible hatred, this demonization of 74 million Americans who voted for Donald Trump um, is very dangerous. Um, and, um, and, and uh, again, all of this is unprecedented. And the weird thing about the alkylate that uh, the, the president's inaugural, inaugural address has received is that you know, his, his speech 
has some nice parts in it, but he also referred to his opponents as white supremacists. Um, and while I'm sure that there are many white supremacists who oppose Biden, just as there are many white supremacists who oppose President Trump, um, you know, to, to try to put them to, to, to say that they are the face of 74 million Americans is just an insult not only to people's intelligence, but also to their morality. I mean, it's, it, you know, and to our eyesight. Uh, Trump won more minority votes than any Republican had since 1960, um, and he was able to really break the whole identity politics uh, vibe that American politics had been under for, you know, for, since really um, the times of Obama mainly. But um, by raising by by the rise, you know, the rising tide, the uh, raises all ships. That uh, income levels. And, and and employment levels across all sectors of the United States, of all all groups of Americans went up. Uh, you know, there was the lowest unemployment among African Americans, among Hispanic Americans, among women uh, in the Trump economy until the pandemic set in, of all time. So, you know, he he raised up all Americans in the economic levels of of, of the United States across the board. And uh, that shattered their whole paradigm. And they're bringing it back now in a way, again, that is unprecedented. And I think I've used the word unprecedented probably 100 times in a very brief interview with you. But it's true. I mean, that, that's the thing that's so stunning, that the pace of events, that the demonization, that the use of the federal government against law-abiding American citizens and the fusion of the most powerful corporations in in world history with uh, the ruling party of the United States um, of all three elected branches of government. And this is the kind of power that's being brought to bear today against uh, half of the country that we really just have never seen it before. And it, and it is very disturbing. And it's very important to talk about it because... People have to be aware and people have to protect their right to freedom of speech and the right to really see what's happening and not to put blinders on unless they be silenced and shunned and canceled. I agree 100 percent. It, it's not a pretty picture, but we've got to look at it because the only way we can go forward is to understand what we're up against. And I think, as you pointed out, President Trump put their identity politics on the ropes and now they're coming back swinging like a madman, um, and they're landing some punches. But uh, what President Trump did in the way, as you pointed out, his policies elevated all elements of society, all economic classes. Everyone benefited. America benefited. Don't back away from those policies. Maybe there's a different messenger, but those policies have proven uh, to work. Caroline Glick, I want to thank you for joining me. I've got a link to your piece uh, on my site. Excellent article, very insightful, uh, and I'm going to encourage people to uh, to take a look at it. And again, great to talk with you. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you so much. God bless you and your, and your listeners, Tony. Take care. All right. Caroline Glick, it is a good piece, um, insightful. Uh, and it's coming from some, you know, looking at this from an outside perspective uh, from Israel. But it is so true, uh, this cancel culture. It is, it is a purge. It's like the Bolsheviks, uh, you know, 100, almost 100 years ago uh, when they did their purge in Russia. But here, we, we know it's coming. It's there. 
And here's how we respond to it. First off, as believers, we shouldn't be shaken by this. We, we know that evil is alive and well, and uh, well, not well, but it's alive. And, you know, the president, for all of his faults, he was surrounded by people who thought clearly, and, and many of which were believers. And the policies that went forward were working. And it has the other side enraged. And they're seeing it. Just like I said, he had their identity politics on the ropes, and they're coming back swinging like a madman. All right, so we duck, we dance, we move around here for a while until we get an opportunity to move forward. We don't give up. We don't throw in the towel. We don't lose hope. There is a way forward, folks. Look, as believers, hope springs eternal. You know, we have the answer. We're not shaken by the events of this world. Are they troubling? Yes. Would I prefer a different uh, environment? Absolutely. Would I like to see a different outcome in this last election? Without question. But this is where we are. And we're going to have some challenges ahead of us. But of all people, we have confidence. We stand on the truth. And when they come with these crazy policies, trying to confuse our children with transgenderism, we look at what the word says. You know, Jesus himself saying there's only two genders. I know there are some anomalies. But when we talk about basic truth, the scripture covers it. We can stand with confidence in an age of uncertainty and moral cloudiness, and we can speak with great clarity. All right, that music means I have to stop. Until next time, I leave you with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, prepared, and taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234. 